Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello and welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast. I am your host, Brian Carroll. And one of the most common comments I receive from people is that healthy food is really expensive. While this is true in a lot of cases, it doesn't have to be. And that is why this episode is brought to you by Thrive Market, who provides wholesale pricing for wholesome, healthy foods. Go over to summitforwellness.com slash thrive, and you can learn about the services that Thrive Market can provide you to be able to make healthy eating a lot more affordable and a lot easier. They deliver food right to your door, which makes shopping very convenient. So go to summitforwellness.com slash thrive to learn more. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever noticed how things tend to come in threes? We have our three main colors of the color spectrum. We also like to celebrate first, second, and third place. Also, a lot of books are written about three of something, like the three musketeers or the three blind mice or the three little pigs. And it seems that everywhere that we look in the world, things happen in threes. Have you ever had a bad day where something happens and then someone tells you, oh, Everything happens in threes, and then soon you realize there's two other things that go wrong in that day. It's a fascinating concept because our brains do really well at processing things in threes. And this is where this idea of triads comes into play. And my guest today, Jennifer Lee of Spooner Physical Therapy, is going to discuss how triads can play a factor or a role within a physical therapy practice and working with patients. So let's jump right into this episode with Jen and learn how she applies the triads to working with her patients to make sure that they are more successful with their rehab programs. Jennifer Lee is a physical therapist working with Spooner Physical Therapy. She develops individualized protocols for her patients to help them reach their goals. And she is also intensely passionate about the progression of physical therapy. And she is part of the Spooner Physical Therapy practice performance team as well. Thanks, Jen, for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. So uh, I would like to learn a little bit more about why you got into phys- physical therapy and what makes you so passionate about seeing the progression of physical therapy? That's an awesome question. Um, It's an easy answer. I absolutely love people. I love connecting with people. I love helping people. Um, And I'm a big nerd about science. And so when you add in loving to help people, being a nerd about science and anatomy, it kind of directs you towards, you know, for me, physical therapy. (laughs) So I, you know, that's, that's my biggest passion. Also, why are you so passionate about the progression of physical therapy? Like, what Mm -hmm. needs to progress in it, and why are you so passionate about it? Gotcha. Um, So, historically speaking, our field, well, not even historically speaking, but but in our field, our board's exam and our education is not up to par with treatment once you are out of school. Um, You go to school and you learn the what you learn muscles, you learn 
specific things about gait, about walking, um, and and re rehabilitation under kind of a protocol basis. Um, but you don't really get the full impact of of how important, how significant you can be to an individual on a daily basis. You don't understand, they don't teach you very well the why behind what you're doing. Um, and that was kind of my, uh, coming out of school, that was my, my frustration with it. And that's one of the reasons why I got into the gift program, the, the, the fellowship that I did in 2014 with you, um, is that I wanted to see the body as more of a whole thing. And the extra stuff I got out of it, which we're going to talk about today, um, was just a blessing on top of that, being able to actually be vulnerable and access the individual in front of you. So I feel like overall we need, as a profession, we need to up our game as far as connecting with people and being able to fully assess human function, human movement. And kind of like what we were talking about before we started recording is that there's a couple different sides to physical therapy. There's the side where people want double blind or triple blind studies done on specific protocols and then they want to follow that protocol. And then there's an another side where people start looking more at the individual and discovering what it is the individual needs. And that's where the gift program, the mentorship that we went through comes into play. Absolutely. And then there's a spectrum with those two. <laughs> yep. um, and ideally speaking, you have something where you can prove it, you can see it, you can smell it, you can measure it if you want to. Um, but at the end of the day, you're listening to the person in front of you, what they see, what they feel, um, and connecting the dots between the two. Right. And one of the things that we learned is kind of this idea behind the triad, which is a mind, body, and spirit, which you have a lot of experience with. So can you talk about what those are? Absolutely. Um, so the triad itself, I mean, there's a lot of different triads, and we're going to get into that a little bit, and I, uh, in a little bit, I believe. Um, but the mind, body, the spirit, as I alluded to before, when I went to school, we learned about the body. <clears throat> um, when I came out and started practicing, it was uh, frustrating to a certain extent because I would look in my books and I would try to help people and I would get them moving in a way that I thought was supposed to be the right way and then they would still complain of pain or they couldn't do their specific functional goal that they were after. And I became almost burnt out um, in about year three. And that's when I discovered applied functional science and I thought, wow, this is this is where <laughs> this is where I've wanted to go this whole time and understanding and being able to connect with people and understand the full body. So I got into gift with the idea that I just wanted to know, you know, what is the foot doing in all three planes of motion during the backswing of, of a golfer swing, um, for example. But as I went through gift, you understand that an individual has a mind, has a body, has a spirit. You cannot take those three apart. You can't affect one without affecting the other two. And a lot of times because I personally believe that the spirit is the eternal part. The mind's not going to go on with this. The body's not going to go on with this. The spirit is the most powerful part. It's the eternal part. And it's the part that if you, if you are vulnerable with yourself and with your clients, you can really tap into and make some unbelievable changes and connections with people. And then what would the mind component consist of? Well, if we're speaking just in a day-to-day, -day, you know, in the clinic, it's understanding how people view their pain, how they view stress, um, how they view even scheduling their appointments, you know, how, how, how 
just their thought processes through the day dictate what they do, what they don't do. Um, and that comes into play big time whenever you're whenever you're dealing with somebody that has a physical pain or 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 something that's functionally limiting. Um, so being able to understand from from a mind perspective, how do you how do you get them in the present moment so that you can actually get them to be vulnerable with you and then start to access what I believe you know the spiritual component the more the more important the more powerful of the three. So if we're doing an example of this and someone comes in and they have pain in their foot, that would obviously be the the body component, the pain that they're feeling um, and what it's doing and limiting them to could be the mental part. What would be the spiritual piece of that? That's the part that you almost feel it. You don't hear somebody say, you know, my spirit's broken. (laughs) Uh, I'll never hear that from somebody. But if I'm really in the moment with them and I look at them, and I say, how long has this been going on? I've had several patients that just look at you and they get teary-eyed. And you can just see that they're frustrated with it. It's changed what they can do on a daily basis. They can't do the things they love anymore. Um, you almost kind of give up on the hope factor of, of life. Whenever you take away things that can make you otherwise healthy or happy, then you're going to affect hope as well. And so you can see that in people... Um, in moments in therapy. It's not something that I'm, that I'm, you know, obviously my focus is going to be in the physical because I work in physical therapy, but um, I feel like I do a disservice to people if I don't, if I don't at least try to tap into what they can give me from a spiritual perspective, because that's gonna, that's gonna, if I can tap into it, that's going to help me significantly in their treatment. And I think that's a really good way to define it is, uh, the level of hope and what they're not able to do that they used to love doing. So if Mm -hmm. someone's a runner and they haven't been able to run in three years because of a pain, then their spirit's going to be broken because they can't do it anymore. It's something they want to, but they can't. Absolutely. That's why I see on a daily basis. I mean, and some people are really good at hiding it. They're really good at, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And, and, And for me, that's really easy to, to see right off the bat. It's harder to, dig into because if you have a person that's not willing to confront what's actually going on with them in any of those three mind body or spirit uh realms then you're not going to be able to fully help in all of those three either um and and that can directly affect how well they do in physical therapy and it's kind of interesting in physical therapy that You know, we have the triad of the mind, body, and spirit, but there's a lot of other things that come in packages of three as well. Can you go into some of those other areas within physical therapy that come in threes? Absolutely. Um, There's a ton. So, so, so the idea of three, uh, going through gift, I and and doing some some studies since gift. The idea of three is an idea. Even back in, you know, from biblical times, the idea of three is an idea of fullness or completeness. And I think in today's society, we've become a, what I would call dualistic thinkers. So we're thinking, is it one or the other? Is it hot or is it cold? Is it black? Is it white? Um, We're putting things on a spectrum of one or the other. And that limits us to a large extent because we're not considering the full spectrum of, of, you know, what a human is capable of or, or even what we're experiencing just in life in general. And so 
Um, when it comes down to three, I mean, I can give you some some of the what we call triadoxes um, that happen in threes, just to to give some examples. But in the realm of even time, so we have we're in the present moment right now. We have our past, we have our present, we have our future. Things happen in threes there. Um, when you're talking about the body, you have your neurosystem, your muscular system, and your skeletal system. So neuromuscular skeletal, which I believe you can't affect one without the other. Um, and in any of these, you're not affecting one. I can't move somebody without affecting their neural system, the skeletal system, and their muscular system at the same time. Um, and so it's a beautiful way of, of putting things together and being able to have more of what Gary Gray calls a doxistic thinking pattern and open-mindedness to the potential uh, for someone in a rehab setting. So other ones, I can give you other examples. Would you like those? <laughs> yeah, let's hear some of the others. Sure. So if we get into the realm of physical therapy, you have um, rehabilitation, which is what most people are currently going to physical therapy for. You have performance, which would be someone who has maybe made it through rehabilitation and is now working towards getting back into their groove, back into their sport, whatever it may be. Then you have where we eventually want to go in the realm of prevention. Um, so, so treating almost kind of like a dentist, um, treating physical therapy like dentistry. If you're going to go to the dentist every six months to get your teeth checked, you might want to go to the physical therapist every six months to make sure the rest of your body is moving well, too. <laughs> um, one of my professors in school said, you know, the teeth are this big and the rest of the body is this big. And that doesn't make any sense if we don't check up on it every once in a while. Um, so rehab, performance, and prevention are a big triadox within the physical therapy realm right now. Um, mobility, stability, and endurance, the idea that someone needs to be able to move. They need to be able to control that movement, and then they need to be able to perform that movement for however long it is that they need to perform that movement um, is another triadox, and that's a huge one that we can kind of tap into on a day-to-day -day basis very easily, and we should be tapping into and, and, and thinking of with our patients. Um, and then I'll just give you one more, uh, in the run, you, you understand this from going through GIF too, but we have the eccentric, the concentric and the isometric contractions of a muscle. Um, and, and in school we're taught eccentric is one way, concentric is the other, isometric is the hold in between. And you and I both know that it's not that way. It's kind of all of, all of one and at the same time, and it's a beautiful thing. Um. So, so it's kind of awesome once you start to realize so many things in life are built around this idea of three and that three is three is almost relaxing in a sense because you don't have to be on one side or the other and you can you can affect things just by affecting one one of the three. And then another big one that we see in just the movement world itself is the three planes of motion, yeah. which is the forward and back, the side to side, and the rotational plane, yep. which is something we use every single day in the physical therapy and training world as well. You got it. Absolutely. So let's dive into the planes of motion a little bit, especially okay. um, with your physical therapy background. A lot of the stuff that you learned in school was probably more sagittal plane based, maybe a little bit in the other planes, but primarily sagittal plane, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So it then was. during your treatment, uh, before you went to GIF, then you're seeing everything as sagittal plane type movements and you're working very uh, linearly and that's where you were starting to burn out and get to that position where 
it didn't feel like what you were doing was right or helpful and you couldn't understand why people weren't getting better. But Absolutely. can you go into how once you were able to incorporate the other two planes of motion and create that uh, final triadox within that, the planes of motion, how that helps your own physical therapy practice? Awesome. Absolutely. Um, so I wouldn't say that we didn't cover frontal and transverse planes in school. We did. Um, but in school, you're not putting it together as these all happen at the same time. And how do they happen at the same time? Um, you're putting it more together, you know, with a protocol, let's say with an ACL, it's probably one of the easiest ones to use. Even now they're saying, okay, we want you to move mainly in the sagittal plane for the first six to eight weeks. And then once you get out of the six to eight weeks, then you can start some frontal plane and transverse plane, but you have to be really careful because you don't want to compromise that ACL. Um, I 100% disagree with that. Um, I think, you know, we know that there's pretty much never a time somebody busts their ACL by just moving in the sagittal plane. There's usually a transverse plane component to it. And so going through GIFT has allowed me to understand how to safely take somebody into those motions um, in, you know, even the early phases after a surgery, how important it is to actually get healthy motion back in the joint in a successful way and progress that steadily for the individual, whoever it is that you might be working with, um, to allow them to get back normal motion. Because if you're only feeding one area, you are going to affect the other two areas because you can't affect one without the other two. Um, but you're not really capitalizing on on everything that you could be. And, and specifically speaking in those three realms, the sagittal, frontal, and transverse. Transverse to me is the most powerful motion. So if it's the one that you're telling me I can't work until week 10 to 12 outside an ACL, you're going to do a lot of disservice to people because you're not going to train them in the way that A, the ACL busted in the first place, and B, the most powerful way that they're going to be able to protect it. Now for the transverse place plane motion, since that is the more powerful one, is mm -hmm. that also typically the first one that people lose? Oh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that one or the frontal. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think there's, it depends on where you're talking about, because I think in the hip, probably you're going to lose extension too. Sagittal plane is going to be in there. People are going to lose extension. They're going to lose abduction, adduction, probably more abdu abduction than adduction. Um, and then certainly they're going to lose the internal rotation. Because, um, I mean, we're sitting all the time and becoming more of a automatic society. So we're not using everything that we were gift gifted with in the first place. So yeah, <laughs> my long answer to your question. So knowing that there's uh, so many packages of three, especially within the physical therapy world, how do you then apply that to the healing protocols that you use with your patients? Beautiful. Um, well, I mentioned a couple of them earlier. The beauty of going through gift is instead of, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse per se, but they, they teach you how to think as opposed to what to do. And the way that they set that up is they say, okay, we have our principles, we have our strategies, and we have our techniques. Our principles are our truths that we absolutely know are true that have been proven time and time again, and you have no argument whatsoever that these are true. If you're building a strategy off of a principle, you can't go wrong. Um, and so a lot of times, um, in, in my day to day, I'm accessing my strategies based off of principles that I'm thinking about relative to what a patient's doing. For example, 
if they're standing, I have to take into consideration that they're going to be fighting gravity standing. And that's going to change what a muscle does when it's fighting gravity versus when it's laying down versus when it's sitting versus when it's, you know, prone on, on your stomach or or things like that. So as I go through my day, part of the big, one of the biggest things I probably access is, is how is the patient most successful? Uh, how do they move best? Um, usually that's not going to correlate with their, their most pain. Um, and so I'll work success to unsuccess. Um, I'll work somebody from, like we were talking about earlier, from one plane to another. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start to feed in planes that are a little bit more difficult as they open up and are able to kind of move better in the plane that they're initially successful in. Um, but all, you know, with all, with all these strategies that we think about, the whole goal is, is the person doing what they want to do? Are you tapping into, are they happy being here? Are they enjoying being here? Am I making them, obviously making them healthier being in therapy in the first place? Because we like to say motion is lotion. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to move, you're going to kind of help yourself as long as you're moving in a healthy way. Um, which that's basically what therapy is, is structuring a healthy, healthy plan of movement for an individual. Um, so if they're happy and they're healthy, then you're going to instill some hope naturally in them. Um, and so it's, it's really awesome to see people come in day one with the gaps in ability to move with the gaps in believing in themselves and, and kind of see that transform day to day. A lot of this is from the, uh, the practitioner's standpoint. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were the patient, mm -hmm. what kind of information do you want to be receiving from your practitioner to help with all this process and to be able to tap into the threes or are you more just like, fix me? <laughs> uh, I think it depends on the patient, honestly. I have my patients that absolutely want to know what I'm thinking every second of every time they're in there, um, which is probably not a good thing. <laughs> um, the, well, I think, you know, for me, I, I have to answer from the practitioner standpoint, but um, I don't share everything I'm thinking all the time. And, you know, even if it is positive, I'm not sharing it all the time. I'm trying to get some subconscious reactions from people because um, you know if you think if i am a patient i come in the door and i think a sometimes i don't even want to be here my doctors made me come um i might be miserable i might be in a lot of pain and and i know i need to be here but frankly i'm not too excited about it right now because nothing feels good and they gave me these pain medications and i haven't been able to eat or go to the bathroom in days because they make me constipated and i'm ticked off at that and you know, there's different, there's different things that people come in with that you're not going to see just on a medical history sheet. Um, sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. And so from a patient perspective, I don't, you know, I, I read it out. I read each patient and, you know, I had a girl last night that wants to know absolutely, what are you thinking? Why, why are you looking at me like that? What went through your head? What am I not doing right? And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give her everything because, you know, I believe movement is subconscious. I'm not going to say, oh, I don't see this happening in your body because then they're going to try and make it happen. And I, that's not something that I'm looking for. I'm looking for, for movement to happen naturally. So, so even into the spiritual realm, um, a lot of that, a lot of that can be, I don't want to say outside our scope of physical therapy practice. Um, cause I have yet to meet a profession that doesn't handle the spirit in some capacity when you're dealing with people. Um, but 
it's not something that we focus on and some people get probably you know turned off by it or intimidated by it um, but it's something that i feel like as a good practitioner i have to be aware of all the time because there are some patients that i'm not going to be able to get anywhere physical with them right away um, and you have to be able to start somewhere and sometimes breaking down barriers either mental barriers or spiritual barriers is a good place to start in in some of my clientele how would you say i mean i'm gonna flip it on you how do you how do you see it in your practice uh so i i just wanted to make a quick statement about yep. the spirit is a lot of times um the spirit gets touched based on results so if sure. Um, some someone is getting a lot better, then you'll see their spirit start to rise. But a lot of times when they come in, their spirit is down, like we talked about earlier, because they haven't been able to do the things that they love for a long time, or they're it. just constantly in pain, and life isn't fun when you're in pain. So yep. I think, yeah, we, we're not directly touching into it, yep. but it does get touched, especially if people are getting results. You got it. Now, for myself, the mind, body, spirit type component, um, you know, I do look at the body, uh, first and foremost, more than anything, uh, because that's kind of what we're working in. But oh, yeah. I also, I talk a lot with people about the behind the scenes. I want to see where their mental attitude is, because like you mentioned, you know, some people are being forced to come in to see you and if that's the case, then a lot, a lot of times it's a lot harder to work with those people. Right. Um, at least for me, but I'm sure a lot of people have the same situation. Yep. If people are sick and tired of being in pain or not feeling well or whatever the issue is, and they're ready to make a change, then that's something I want to find out about their mental capacity because I want to know if they're ready to rock and roll. And if they're ready to fully dive into whatever pro protocols, treatments it is, and they're ready to focus on getting better, then you do see the spirit start to change and the body starts to change and the mind starts to change once they're getting better. And yeah, so the whole thing, it, for those type of people especially, you see some really unique changes. Yeah, but absolutely. It's very important to know where the person you're working with is coming from and where they're at and be able to, like you said, gauge how much you do touch into those different areas with them because some people are just like, they're weirded out about certain things and so yeah. you don't want to go into that realm. Yep, so. yep. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I mean, I love talking about the spiritual component, I do believe it is the most powerful component. Component, However, I mean, I'm a physical therapist for a reason. So <laughs> I don't want it to seem like I'm not uh, not thinking about or addressing the physical impairments. I mean, that's my, that's pretty much what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. But I, I, I do think and, and where I've gotten a lot of my revival in a, in a sense is the ability to just have somebody be vulnerable around you and be vulnerable around them and they'll move for you better. They'll they'll get lost in conversation with you and they don't even realize what they're doing. They haven't done in, you know, a couple of weeks they're doing something successfully and, and it's amazing the the power of the mind and the spirit it has on the body. 
And sometimes that vulnerability comes from making them feel comfortable, making them laugh, making them not think about what it is they're going through with you and the protocol you're working on and get yep. them kind of out of their body and just interacting. And then all of a sudden you learn about what's going on at home and mm-hmm. all the stress in their life and they haven't slept in five days. And you're like, well, now we know why things aren't going the way that we would hope. So let's see if maybe you can try this and give you some homework and yep. you're able to break things down that way once they do open up. Absolutely. And, you know, I think some people think, oh, therapy is just to make me exercise and quote unquote torture me with it, which I work with some <laughs> therapists that absolutely hate that word. I, I'm one of them, um, but I use it kind of as a joke because it's, you know, it shouldn't be like that. There are sometimes we have to push people, but um on the whole, I want somebody to walk out, you know, maybe feeling a little bit worked, um, maybe feeling sore. Um, and your people that are in a lot of physical pain, I'm, I'd love to be a miracle worker, but they probably are going to walk out in some physical pain. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, did, did I make anything better? Are they happier than, than when they came in? Are they moving a little bit better? Do they feel better about the their their capabilities to handle sleep like you're talking about or i can give them you know guidance for sleep patterns and and stress levels and and things like that even during the treatment so um that you know once you're getting relaxation of the mind once you're getting things to calm down there then then you're going to be able to get relaxation of the other two a little bit more easily So one of the things I'm really curious, because it seems like every practitioner has a different approach, slightly different. Mm -hmm. Um, If someone comes in with a lot of pain, do you move them into the pain at all? Or do you get them close to the pain threshold and then back off a little bit? Or do you come in from a completely different uh, angle? Or how do you approach it? I'm going to answer. It depends. (laughs) Uh, I think I do a little bit of any of them. It depends on the person in front of me. Let's take somebody that, you know, has, is in pain. They've had fibromyalgia for 15 years and they've been in chronic pain. Um, I first off have to be a realist. I'm, you know, they're going to have pain (laughs) and they're probably going to have pain as I move them. And my mind goes to, okay, what do you do on a daily basis? What do you not do? What did you used to do that you missed doing? What does your functional spectrum look like? Um, and, and first day for me is a lot of education because I firmly believe I can, I can you know, look at as many tests as I want to on the first day. And if I don't convince you or I don't get you to connect with me in a way that makes you want to come back, then I'm doing all this work the first day for no reason. Um, so my, my, my goal from day one is just connect with them and make them feel bought into the process and valued, valued in the space. And so if it's somebody that has a lot of pain, if, um, you know, if, if that's something that they're perseverating on, if it's something that they're thinking about all the time, we'll definitely talk about pain science. And I, I get into, you know, pain becomes a reflex. It becomes something that your brain is just used to producing and, we may move you and you're going to have pain if we move you or you're going to have pain if we don't move you. We're definitely going to move you, but I want our focus to be on if we improve your function, if we get your body to start to loosen up in ways it hasn't moved because you bound it up because you're scared of this pain, if we can start to unlock some things, 
then your body starts to almost kind of calm down. Your neurological system starts to realize, oh my gosh, you know, I don't have to be on this high alert as much all the time. And a lot of times pain start pain levels start to come down. Some people they don't, um, but that's the importance of the conversation of my job is your function. First, first and foremost, I want to make sure that you're moving as well as you can because I'm, you know, I'm not in your brain. I can't change change pain pain sometimes. Sometimes I can. Um, you have your patients with mechanical pain that this hurts and this doesn't, then I'm definitely going to work them into the doesn't first and then try to work back into the motions that were unsuccessful. Um, but it kind of depends on the person. <laughs> um, and some people, I, I won't talk about it at all because I'm a huge believer in the psychology of, of what they're hearing from me. They come in and, you know, once they're brought into the process, I'm the quote unquote doctor of physical therapy in front of them, not even quote unquote, I'm the doctor of physical therapy in front of them who they trust with, with their care. And I want to, you know, I want to use my words. I want to use my body language in a way that gets them to think and act a certain way as well. Um, which sounds kind of voodoo, but it's, <laughs> but it's pretty cool whenever, you know, if I don't focus on your pain, I just ask you, you know, you're looking good today. Like, how are things going? What'd you do before you got in here? And you just get into this conversation of function and happiness or, lack thereof. Um, but either way, you have them moving while they're doing those things and you're not even focusing on the pain. It's amazing what the brain will do if you're if you take the attention elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. Even though it started with it, it depends. There's a lot of really good information <laughs> in there. Because it does so. depend, right? <laughs> Wish it was cut and dry, but unfortunately, if only, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would then our jobs job wouldn't be nearly easy. as fun. It yep. would be fun. <laughs> no. So yeah. we we have uh, one other triadox that we wanted to talk about, and that's the behavioral, physical, and biological triadox. Can you dive into that one? Oh, I would love to. I think a lot of it we've already kind of dove into we a little bit. We kind of touched on it, yeah. <laughs> but if you come back, um, forest for the trees, if you come back outside of everything we've been talking about, we have what we call our physical, our biological, and our behavioral drivers as human beings. And so... From a physical standpoint, um, we can't deny gravity. We always are going to be subject to gravity. It depends on what position we're in. Sometimes we're more subject to it than, than not, um, than others. We have ground reaction force. We have uh, things like mass and momentum. The idea of literal physics, physics around us that we have to kind of combat all of the time. Um, and that would be more of your physical bucket. And that really comes into play whenever you're talking to, you know, all three of these actually come into play when you're thinking about the truth, truths that I had alluded to earlier. Um, the, the things that you know are absolutely 100% true that you can base your strategies off of. Gravity, ground reaction, force, mass, and momentum are huge in that category. And they change a lot of things in, in physical therapy um, once you start kind of taking those things into account. In the biological bucket, um, for me, it's more of movement is a chain reaction. Uh, the body is is built to be what I like to call a very glorified domino effect. And so if you understand what dominoes are supposed to fall, in what order, during what function, it's amazing how people can improve once you get that, that sequence to kind of realign itself. Um, outside of that, I'm it, it biological delves into the fact that we have, we're human beings, we have needs, um, the ability for, for, to be driven to 
crawl when you're an infant to crawl over to a toy because you want to play with it. You know, it's going to help your developmental, your physical, um, your physical development, but also in a different respect, you know, it's, it's a driver. It's a biological driver because we are, we all are human. Um, the idea of eating, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm going to go find something to eat. It's, it's something that's biologically driven inside of us. And so, um, those are things that we can kind of, you know, not necessarily the eating component, <laughs> but the chain reaction, the developmental components, we can tap into and understand that those are subconscious needs of a human being as well. Um, and then the third, the behavioral. Um, this one, I, oh gosh, I could go forever on, but um, the, the most influential, the, the, the biggest thing for me was to learn that pain, fear, and guilt are the three biggest drivers of human emotion um, or human reaction, human movement at all. So we're talking about in in PC, in my world, pain, fear is huge. I'm seeing that all the time. I'm prob probably seeing more guilt than I know about too. Um, but how those drive people and the ability to take, you know, pain and change it, the ability to take people's fear, fear of moving, fear of falling um, and change that on a day-to-day -day basis or the ability to you know, allow somebody to actually bend down and pick up their grandkid or their, their little baby or something like that. Now they don't feel guilty that they're not caring for them. Um, the ability to change those things, the ability to impact motivation in people, um, the ability to instill a little bit more positive thinking in people um, is huge. And so I probably delve into, we both do, all three of those all day long. Um, but it's the idea that we're much more than just what's this muscle doing and how is it contracting in this way? It's, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's, it's, it's what keeps me going and kind of trying to figure out, figure out people on a day-to-day -day basis so I can help them. Yeah. And that's a very large triadox with a lot of different branches that can come directly out of that too. So each yeah. one of those buckets has some more buckets underneath it that we could categorize. But like you said, it's so large, it could take a long time to cover it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, because then you, you know, you see this realm of possibilities for people, um, as opposed to they had the surgery, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, you can't do that yet. It's like, no, I don't. I don't want to think that way. I want to think whether they, what's their potential? What could they do? Um, and, you know, maybe they can't do 100% now, but what can they do now? And how do we, you know, Gary talks about gapo, gaposis. How do we close the gap between what they can't do right now and what they want to be able to do? Um, and I think if you're, if you're really critically thinking, then you're, you're going to have to delve into all three of those. What's their potential? I love that statement right there. Is there anything else that you would want to uh, talk about real quick with the triads and all the different triadoxes? Um, you know, um, I, I think a lot of it, you know, I've, I've had conversations with therapists that talk about, um, you know, I like this AFS stuff, but how are you really going to get somebody? How are you going to use it whenever you're, you have somebody with fibromyalgia? How are you going to use it with somebody that has chronic pain? How are you going to use it with somebody that has dementia? Um, and that's that's real. <laughs> that's that's down in the trenches working with people on a day to day basis. And I think that's that's honestly instead of being a, a criticism of AFS, that's an actual gift of AFS is because I understand where I can go with people 
Um, and you're realistically thinking, okay, dementia, they, they're not going to remember what they did with me today, but maybe I can make them happy in the moment. Maybe I can get them to stand up and sit down with me when they just go back to their assisted living. They're just going to sit all the time. Maybe I can get them up and walking with me. Um, that's going to have a powerful effect on them, even if it's just in the moment. And so, um, life is moment to moment with people. And there's a reason why one thing is going to affect another, you know, there's a reason why if I'm meditating, my heart rate's going to slow. It's a mental practice that has a physical reaction. There's a reason why when I get anxious about something, my heart rate's going to increase. I'm going to sweat because there, there's the same reaction there. And there's certainly a reason why if I make somebody smile and make their day when they're in the clinic, you know, there's no reason why that's not going to affect them in the mental and physical capacities as well. So I'm glad we got to take some time and actually give this the attention it deserves. <laughs> yes, and I hope more people can understand that it's a really powerful thing to be working in all these uh, different triadoxes and buckets that are available too, especially yeah. for all the people going through these different healing phases. Yeah. Absolutely. So you belong with Spooner PT, which there's what, 19 clinics and yeah. are they all Arizona? All in Arizona. Yeah. We're in, all in Phoenix and around the Valley here. Yeah. So you can learn more about Spooner PT at SpoonerPT.com. What social media platforms are you on? I'm on Instagram at Spooner PT. And then, yeah, like you said, SpoonerPT.com and also Spooner Physical Therapy on Facebook. And if people wanted to learn more about you specifically, do you have any way for people to learn about I do. you? Um, well, my email is j.lee, L-E-E, at SpoonerPT.com. Um, my Instagram is jenpt82, J-E-N-P as in Paul, T as in Tom, 82. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, any, any questions or anything, feel free to email me. Um, I'm always open to debate and to answering questions and probably asking some myself. So I love it. You're open to debate. You're ready <laughs> to fight. You're Absolutely. ready to battle. Doesn't mean I'm always right. I just like people to think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, I appreciate you coming on to talk about the triad. I think like you mentioned, getting this information out is going to be really helpful to a lot of people, um, especially people that are just focused on the physical part or the body part, and they don't understand that there's other components to it as well. So thanks so much for coming on. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. This is great. There you have it, folks. The power of three keeps on continuing, even in your own physical therapy protocols. So uh, just keep that in mind as you are looking for a physical therapist at any point that you want to find someone that is willing to look past just a physical in your rehab protocol and is helping you on all of these different levels. Now, if you haven't joined us in our discussions, then come on over to our free Facebook group at summitforwellness.com slash tribe and join us in all of the discussions that we are having within that group. Also, we have recently launched our Keto Restore program. So if you are at all interested in the keto diet, then take a look at our keto program that will help 
safely guide you into ketosis because what we have found in a lot of the different keto programs out there or people that are just diving straight into the keto diet is that no one is really preparing their body beforehand. So it's very important to teach the body how to burn fat and how to actually digest fat before you throw a bunch of fat at it and stress a body out because it's a completely different dietary change than what most of us are used to. So go to summitforwellness.com slash keto dash restore to learn more about that program. Keep climbing to the peak of your health and we will see you next time on the Summit for Wellness podcast.